This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Place to be nation. Welcome back to another episode of Extreme Resurrection. I'm James Gruenberg, alongside with Michael Cook. Mike, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing a good. I'm doing pretty good. Um, I apologize, no show last week, but going through, I was at Disney and dealing with an appendix bursting, a cat getting sick, and what life throw, throws at you. It was an interesting last, uh, you know, month or so. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we all get those uh, roller coasters here and there. So, Place to Be Nation and Extreme Resurrection fans, we have for you tonight a special episode. Mike and myself and our guest, who I'm going to introduce soon, we are going to be watching ECW's first pay-per-view under the new brand, December to Dismember. This is highly regarded as one of the Worst pay-per-views of all time in WWE history. But let's bring in our guest before we hit that play button. He is the ho- he's one of the hosts of Pop Goes to the Classics on the Place to Be Nation pop feed. And he is the host of the Place to Be Nation Making Mount Rushmore pop edition, Mr. Steve Riddle. Steve, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. It's great to be here, and I'm ready to get extreme. Yep. All right, gentlemen. Now, Steve, uh, have you seen this pay-per-view before? I have seen it before in its entirety. It's been a while since I have, so this is going to be an interesting um, uh, an interesting watch, um, considering I do know um, what happens on the show, and more specifically, the uh, the fallout of the show. So you're aware, like you've like I, I don't know if you like watched like going like when you did back when you watched the pay per view back then. Did you watch the ECW episodes leading up to this pay per view? I did occasionally. I did watch the as much as I could. Um, some there were some weeks I might have missed or not, but I did did get kind of the most of the full, full build for the show. Now I didn't watch it live. I watched it on a on DVD when it came out. But I, like I said, I knew knew of the show and knew of again, like I said, the fallout. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, Mike, have you seen this pay per view or uh, seen this on DVD? I have never seen this pay per view. My son was only a couple months old and really couldn't afford the pay per views. Um, you know, obviously he's watching in and out. Um, and we've caught up to what it is. I mean, it took, I mean, I knew what happened based on raw the next night. Um, but also, um, you know, I didn't learn about the really fallout cause I really wasn't doing the internet thing, um, with spoilers and all that type of stuff, probably for another two years, like hearing. And then, you know, obviously the more stories that we hear from, you know, the, podcast and stories that have come out 
Yeah, um, I've never seen this uh, pay-per-view either, but again, I've seen the highlights of it, you know, watching Raw the next night as well, and, and uh, the next ECW show, so I know who, uh, you know, who came out victorious, and uh, I kind of know what happens to Paul Heyman at the end, you know, I didn't know if it was uh, a real thing or not, but uh, let's get in, let's dive into this pay-per-view, and uh, I'm going to give us a 3-2-1 countdown, and we will begin. In three, two, one, play. Six men will enter this elimination chamber. You know, I kind of like the, uh, I always like the elimination chamber, um, you know, concept going back to Survivor Series 02. And this one is more of a, uh, extreme elimination chamber with uh, weapons in it what do you think of this concept steve i thought it was definitely interesting i thought it you know if you're gonna bring something like this to uh ecw it would make sense to add that little like extreme element. um it was gonna be i was gonna be very interested to see how they were gonna like incorporate all these weapons into this cage which can itself be used as a weapon so i did i mean going in it definitely was a very um unique idea now, now, didn't um, wasn't there a TNA thing similar with weapons in a cage? Uh yeah, that was the uh, extreme. It was like I think um, they did that uh later in two thousand seven, but they do so they, the um, it's called the uh like lockdown extreme cage. They had or, the cage match um at lockdown always, but then they made it with like the weapons like uh. I think a year later, like, you know, as like extreme lockdown. Yeah, I wasn't sure if uh, who copied who. <laughs> yeah, well, so we uh, Well, I think the um, no. in the original ECW, they occasionally um, had the cage matches with like the weapons attached to it. So it wasn't unusual. Yep. So I love the uh, I love the color scheme uh, for this. Uh, a little bit uh, December uh, festive. They're live in Augusta, Georgia here tonight. And as we've discussed before, um, Gruny, I really think this pay-per-view should have been held in the Northeast. Nothing against anyone else, nothing against, but we we all know that, you know, sort of like when they tried the WCW in 2001, they had it in Seattle or up in the, instead of, or Tacoma or whatever it was, instead of having it in Atlanta. Same thing. You want to try a first ECW pay-per-view? I think it should have been, even if it was the Hartford Civic, if you not go big, go Hartford Civic Center, go, um, you know, on Long Island or, you know, something or the Meadowlands Arena, you know, something, something like that. But I, I really think this is also part of the um, kind of downfall, so to speak, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I get it. You know, they're playing they're the home team going into the uh, away, uh, the away place. I mean, yeah, although we, so, can all uh, live, we can all live with this right now. Oh, uh, yeah. So we have Joey Styles and um, we have Joey Styles and Taz are our color commentators here tonight. Along with the uh, Spanish announced team. Steve, what'd you think of Eminem? 
Um, I thought they were definitely a very um good team for the time. Um, they kind of you know dominated SmackDown there for uh for like almost all five and oh six. What I always thought was kind of interesting is like they did that whole big um split up back in May where I think they like lost the belts to um, London and Kendrick and then they like they fought each other, um, and then like now here only a few months later they're back together like nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> kind of interesting, kind of interesting about that. I also wonder, you know, makes you wonder what they thought if about a uh, Nitro singles push at this time. I I always yeah. thought when Nitro was going to be going with Bischoff, you know, with the whole name. Oh yeah, that was pretty mm. funny too. Like, oh man, Johnny Nitro, like, what is this WCW? Oh boy, yeah. What'd you think of Molina there, Steve? <laughs> Hello, Molina. <laughs> Yeah, um, I thought that Joey, Steve, do you remember? Because I thought that's what happened. Did Joey Styles get uh, fired or, or like suspended for having a drug problem after uh, Judgment Day of Six? Uh, Joey Mercury, you mean? Yeah, Joey Mercury, not Nitro. Yeah, not Joey, Joey Styles. Mercury. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, that's in Styles. Yeah, oh gosh, yes, you did. <laughs> no, I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember what happened. It was, either, I guess, um. He got, sus- I think maybe he got like suspended or something. So that's why they did the split up, and then they moved um, Nitro and Molina over to Raw so that he could do a singles push. And um, yeah, I, I honestly, I don't. Yeah, I, I think that's what I think that's what it was. He got. I think he was just serving like a, a brief suspension. Yeah, because I knew that um, I knew that Teddy Long had fired them, and I knew that they made the move to Raw. But I think Joey Mercury actually did get fired or suspended from wwe but now they're back in the hardy boys are here uh to take on eminem can't go wrong with the hardy boys at least for something that says uh extreme you know oh yeah definitely of course jeff the uh, intercontinental champion yeah i forgot that umaga had lost the intercontinental title in 06 to jeff because you know um, he like gets it. Yeah, he gets it right back, you know, because he uh, loses it to Santino. So I think that this and this match, Steve, and the Extreme Elimination Chamber are the only two matches here that actually were announced. Like everything else is that everything else. Is like we need to put stuff together for a. Uh, you know, to make a three-hour pay-per-view. I I think you're right. Yeah, that like those these were the only two announced. I think even on the um on the DVD, they were the only matches actually put on the on the box there. So they, they didn't even include uh, the other matches. Yeah. So uh, you can see here that uh, Mercury and uh, Nitro are said saying how to how do we take down the Hardy Boys? I was a little bit shocked, you know, because um. I saw Eminem. Eminem would uh, do like they were doing like the house shows, um, had the house show loop in 2005. Because I saw them at the Danbury uh, O'Neill Center, which is a which is a uh, college auditorium for a house show and house show SmackDown. And then you see him on TV. It's like, wait a minute, these guys were just on the house show loops. Now they're like being brought to television. And I think that's when I found out what house shows are used. You know, they're used for, you know, hey, we're going to bring the, we're eventually going to bring this onto TV. But let's test the uh, the house, uh, 
the house uh, loop, you know? Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I know they were, uh, like, I remember, like, the, the buzz was um, them in OVW. They were getting, like, really over um, before they got called up to the main roster in 05. And they were they were definitely a good um, breath of fresh air for the tag division that really uh, that needed it at that time. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Hardy Boys are still good here. You know, it was kind of cool. I remember, like, when Jeff came back, it was like, oh, man, Jeff Hardy's back finally. I think mm-hmm. eventually he was going to come back. You know, he just needed to at the right time. Yeah, and I remember it's because I think um, Survivor Series was only two weeks prior to the show. And I remember, like, all the big, the big buzz about the Hardys being back together for the first time in however many years. And that was, you know, a, a big deal. And then like, and then they do this open challenge here. Um, so yeah, it was a big deal for them to, uh, to get back together. Yeah. Now we have, um, Oh, now that everyone's getting involved, we had uh, Matt Hardy and Mercury starting things off. Yep, uh, you know, going over um, Jeff Hardy and John Nitro's feud on Raw for the Intercontinental title as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were having some uh, they were having some good matches at that time as well. Yep. Hey, can you guys give me a time code? Uh. Just just yeah. about um nine minutes in. A little about uh, we're about eight fifty five. Uh, mine uh of course. Why why would mine uh not pause? <laughs> <laughs> yep, we got a tag in the Jeff Hardy. Uh, you know, just a little slow. A little slow here, you know, they're not uh, pulling out the big stops just as yet, but that's what you need for a tag team, right? You know some slow spots and uh you know pick it up later right mm-hmm. oh, here comes nice a nice hip toss were you guys fans of uh the hardys at this time even though you know with everything that was going on um I always thought that I was a fan of, um, I was always a fan of Jeff. I liked Matt, but I was just always that Jeff Hardy fan. What about you, Steve? Yeah, I think um, it's kind of funny when you think of, when you think of their the trajectory of their careers. It always seemed like Jeff was going to be the breakout star, but um, but Matt kind of cart you know always carts himself out some good uh, you know good runs there. You know he had the you know version one a few years ago and. You know the 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 um then the feud when he came back with Edge and they had some good stuff there and it kind of felt like at this point that um Matt was almost kind of um spinning his wheels over on SmackDown he just had the feud with Gregory Helms and and now putting it back here together with um with Jeff kind of gave giving him a little something to do I think um I think Matt really gets into his um really gets into his groove about a year from now when he starts doing the whole um feud and rivalry with uh, MVP. Yeah, I remember that feud as well, um, you know. So I guess the Hardy Boys here are just here for show and just show and tell. You know, you got to either become tag team champions or you got to, uh, you know, try try going on your own. And uh, you can see that Jeff Hardy is the Intercontinental Championship, so 
he's holding his ground in that area. What about you, Mike? Were you a fan at this time? Yeah, I mean, I like them both. I mean, I was at the SmackDown with um, great alumni, you know, our PTVN member or co-founder, uh, uh, Chris Scolo there at the SmackDown at the Mohegan Sun when he made his return, official return. Oh, um, Jeff so. or Matt? Matt. Oh, uh, okay. So, I mean, I really liked how that whole thing played out. I mean, it sucked it was real life, but it, it was really, really good. Oh, wow. That was a nice, uh, I don't know what you call it, a diving somersault. Not diving somersault, like almost like a shooting star press jump. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad he missed it. Yeah. Ooh, nice elbow drop by Matt. You know, that um, the tag team match that uh, Mike, we saw was really good uh, before um, before this with uh, Tony Mama, the, the FBI versus the Hardy Boys. They did a like this double team swinging neckbreaker. That was insane. Right, Mike? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it was definitely something new that they really haven't done that you really haven't seen from them. Yeah, but um, it was insane. Oh, Molina over there getting involved. Oh, where's Lita? Oh, wait, that's not. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot that Lita's gone by now, actually. Did she have her last match at uh, Survivors? Was it Survivor Series? No, it was the Raw match. It was the her last match was the Raw main event. Her and, Lita, her and Trish. Oh no, but this is oh six though. No, Lita was still Lita was gone here at um Survivors. Yeah, no, because Trish beat Lita at Unforgiven 06 and retired, and then uh Mickey James beat Lita at Survivor yeah, at Survivor series of uh, six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because then uh, after that match, Crime Time came out and like auctioned off for oh, stuff. Oh, so, yes. Okay, yep. Eminem here getting some good double team moves in. Yeah, you know, I thought that... Um, I thought that Eminem had a really good run in 05 into 06. Here I just thought... Well, they're trying to get them back together, but is it going to work or is it not going to work? I mean, when you try something twice, you know, I feel like the Hardy Boys are on like what they're actually the Hardy Boys are on like their second stretch of getting the band back together. More double team moves by uh, Eminem. Ooh, nice face buster. My peacock has oh, stopped that... working. So oh, I'm trying to get screen. it on, uh, on the computer. <laughs> Two. Yeah, so the Hardy Boys, we were having matches with the FBI, Steve, and uh, they've been doing pretty well. We, me and Mike, we've been covering the, we've been covering all the ECWs up until this point, actually. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, they've been all right, you know, here and there. The best one so far. Whoa. Nice reversal by Mad there. The best one um, so far was that Big Show Ric Flair Extreme Rules match uh, back in August, where Ric Flair actually goes through the thumbtacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was definitely a uh, mem- memorable match. And then the worst yeah. ECW so far was the it was um the Big Show versus Batista was the main event, and I think that ended up being like a double countout, which was so bad because like the fans were like, "Change the channel!" Now they're trying to imitate the Hardy Boys. Oh, they landed it, stealing the Hardy Boys' moves there. Didn't think they would uh, be able to be allowed to steal the Hardy Boys moves, but uh, interesting spot for Matt. Oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> Trying to be the next Hardy Boys. Uh, oh, he doesn't get that one. Ooh. Oh. Gets crossed up in the ropes, goes Nitro. You know, going back to that, uh, you talk about that Big Show Batista match. That was that was at the Hammerstein Ballroom, right? It was, and um, maybe that maybe that's of... why the maybe that's why they didn't want to go back to the Northeast for this pay per view. <laughs> yeah, because they were ruthless, and they were actually ruthless on the Fourth of July ECW show too, when the Big Show became ECW champion. Too got a nice. Well, that, was, well, that one was in that was in Philly, if I remember. Yeah, but they were brutal. They were just like really brutal there. But that's RVD's fault because, you know, RVD got busted. Yeah, 2006 has not been the best for RVD. You know, he wins the money in the bank, cashes in. But then, you know, one little fatal error, one little stop, and. down the drain. There goes the dive over the crossbody dive by Matt Hardy. Ooh, oh, oh Nitro the, coming over the road. Oh boy. Well, you knew everyone had to get a spotted spotter a jump in. Jeff. Oh. Always know that everyone's gonna jump out. Oh, jump. Do a leap when it's the Hardy Boys versus somebody. If he can be the tag team to do leaps, you know. It's like a car crash in I nineteen over here. <laughs> this is Taz I nineteen last I twenty last time I checked. Ooh, poetry emotion up here we go. Twist of fate. And the, oh, I thought it was over there, but Nitro saved them. That was a nice surprise. Jeff Hardy missing the swan time. Oh, what is Nitro going here? Oh, oh, nice drop kick. Nice leaping drop kick. Nitro's got moves, doesn't he, Steve? He does. You can you can see why they thought he would be a good singles guy. 
Yeah, I mean, he gets the he gets a good push uh, next year as well. As me and uh, Mike uh, continue uh, in the, into uh, ECW going into 2007. Yeah, we've definitely have have seen a lot of good things, but we've also talked about um, how how the shows were either really good at the beginning and crappy at the end, or crappy all throughout and great main event. They were never consistent. Yeah, it's not like you're gonna get uh, good, good all around. You know, you're gonna get some good and get some bad. So, Steve, let me ask you this: You know, while we're watching, what did you think when Kurt Angle asked for his release in 2006? Um, it was a shocker. I mean, because he seemed like a you know you you figured he would be a a guy that would be there for you know he'd be a lifer but um i i don't know if a lot of people knew the um the issues he was having like in his personal life at that time and you know that's uh, apparently he like he wanted to get off the road and have a little higher schedule and they they i don't think it's that they didn't you know want to hit heed to his request but i think they were at a time where they needed him and um i think he kind of realized that if he kept down that kept down that road he you know wasn't going to end well for him and i remember also when he had um because it wasn't long after he left that he signed with TNA, and there was like a whole lot of uh, kind of you know eyebrows raised there too. Because it's like you know here's this guy who has all these you know problems, and yeah, he's now he's going to the competitor. It's like like what the hell? But um, I think we'll and obviously you know when they talk about it on some of the other uh, on some of the TNA podcasts, um, it probably ended up being the best thing for him. Yeah, it definitely did seem like it was the best thing for Kurt Angle to leave, but um. Who would have known? Who would know what would have happened if Angle, Kurt Angle, had stayed? You know, I I could definitely see him being the guy to defeat the Big Show for the ECW title. Because I don't think they were going to go back with um, RVD. Uh, you know, he had a. I mean, he had a shot when he was the WWE title too with the WWE Championship too. And we all know just what happened. You know, so. I don't think that RVD was going to get the uh, going to get the title back and put the trust back into him again. I totally agree with you. I really don't think that would have happened. Saw some good um, double team moves by Nitro and Molina. You know, Molina plays the. Uh, Lena plays the heel manager role really well. She trips up the Hardy Boys. She smacks the Hardy Boys around. Melina was a very good manager. Mm-hmm. You know, like a little bit of a sensation, um, you know, like not that vicious, but, you know, a little bit of sensational Sherry vibes in her. Especially with the screaming. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. Nice little elbow dive by uh, Nitro, too. So this match has been going pretty well. Good one to get the uh, the fans riled up and kicked off. I'm going to look at, I don't know what our, Steve, do you remember what arena this was at? Because I know it's in Augusta, Georgia. Uh, hang on. I think I have it up here. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, it's called the um, the James Brown Arena. Oh, 
He must have been feeling good after this pay-per-view. <laughs> uh, or not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he was. You know, he was like, man, what have I got myself into? <laughs> I'm going back for Rocky Six. <laughs> Jeff Hardy trying to get away from Mercury trying to get the tag yeah I always thought that Nitro was the breakout star with um, Eminem as well didn't really see Joey Mercury getting that push uh, push either. Ooh. Matt Hardy going on his face. I mean, you know, we all know what happens to Joey Mercury the next pay-per-view. Yep. And uh, again, two and uh, I think yeah, I think that was actually two weeks after this was Armageddon. And yeah, when he gets his, his face destroyed. Yeah, I find it really crazy that they are. Well, no, not not crazy, but um, I guess during like this time period, they were putting on like two pay per views uh, a month almost because you had Taboo Tues, uh no Cyber Sunday it was called. Yeah, they switched it Cyber Sunday, and then they went to uh, you know Survivor Series. Oh, oh, Whisper in the Wind by Jeff. <laughs> nice reversal there. So then they did, then they did Survivor Series after Cyber Sunday. Now they got this on in December, and then they go to Armageddon. So a lot of uh, running around, trying to focus on three three different shows at one time. That's why I still don't understand why they did what they did at the end of this pay per view. Oh yeah. Oh, a bulldog in the clothesline by Matt Hardy. Side effect. Is that the side effect? Yeah, it is. Yep, side effect. Another one. I always liked um, the best side effect Matt Hardy did was off the stage uh, with Edge in that street fight right there when uh, the whole uh, the whole stage exploded. Do you remember that one, Steve? Uh, yes, I do remember that one. That was a uh, crazy. That was a crazy uh, bump that they took. Yeah, I was like, oh, my God, no. Oh, Matt doing the signature leg drop. Ooh, lands it. Only for a two count. Tag back into Jeff. I think they should give him Jeff more rest period time. I don't know what they're trying to do here, but what the heck? Oh, nice Huracurana by Nitro. That could have gone bad so many ways. <laughs> I don't know. It was too fast to like really see how it could have gone bad, but I'll take your word for it. Now all four men are in the ring, so we got Nitro on the top rope up, but now both of them are going to be on the top rope. Eminem here. 
Double suplex. Yep. Oh, and both Eminem, both Eminem guys get suplexed. Melina trying to get up in there. Oh, oh, how many times have we seen Jeff try and lay down with the girls? One, two. Oh, only a two count. I thought he was going to plant a kiss on her at first before. I know. I thought he was going to go the old Stacey Keebler route, you know, like at least plant the kiss or smack the butt or, you know. Oh, Oh. snapshot. Snapshot. Yeah. Boom. One, two. Oh, Matt Harden makes a save. I forgot that's what it was called. It was called the snapshot. Yep. This would be used on uh, Eddie Guerrero. It was either Eddie Guerrero or Ray Mysterio to become the tag team champions the first time. There you see a nice shot of Molina on the ground. <laughs> I don't know what they're trying to do here, but uh, looks like just another soup. Yeah, or and they got no. I think they they said they were trying for like a like a super snapshot. Oh, oh, maybe a super snapshot. Yeah. Oh, that a double twist the fate? Yep. Oh no, I call it double neck breaker, but you know. Now, Jeff, are you going for the Swanton bomb? Mm, nailed it. Did and should one, be two, three. Ding, ding, ding. Yep. So the Hardy Boys are the winners of this year of this match, this tag team match here. A lot of fans still behind the Hardy Boys here. So, Steve, what would you uh, a little um? (laughs) What would you give this as a star rating? Um, I think I'd go three and a quarter. Um, good some good solid you know action between the two teams. I like the double heat segment that Eminem did on both men. Um, crowd very um crowd was pretty hot for the whole match. They popped for the big spots when they needed to, and um, I mean yeah, I mean, it was about as as good of a of a tag opener as you could probably get. So we're off to a good start so far. Yeah, I'm gonna give it uh three. I'm gonna give it three stars as well. Really good. Um double team moves and the finish was good but the crowd was really behind the Hardy boys here Mike what did you think of it well since um, I only saw the entrance because then my peacock stopped working um, I'm going to give it a 3-2 because uh, I trust your guys judgment (laughs) (laughs) I am trying to get back on peacock there you see the oh wow yeah peacock's been kind of been up and down all over the place but uh yeah, the Hardy Boys are your winners of this uh, first year match. And it's funny because 
during the current pay-per-views and everything, I never had any issues ever. Like I see people saying it's freezing or whatever. I've never had any issues. Hmm. Must be a lucky guy, Mike. <laughs> Except now. Yeah. So what's your what's your timestamp, guys? If I can Hold on, I'll give it to you. Uh, I got uh thirty one twenty two. 3130. Talking about the elimination chamber, extreme elimination chamber. Table, a chair, a crowbar, and mostly a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire. What do you think of a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire, Steve? Uh, you know, it's got to be a good weapon of choice for uh, a match like this for ECW, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I thought the the weapons they chose were pretty. I mean, you have, you know, like I said, the standard, the chair and the table. I thought actually I thought the crowbar was a very interesting uh, weapon of choice uh, for that. And then, yeah, the, the barbed wire bat. Um, you're, I think a lot of people were anxious to see how that if, uh, how often that weapon was probably going to get used. Yeah. So now we have RVD over here um, giving us um, exclusive interview. Because he's saying that all of his, he's ready to put everything on the line to become the ECW champion again. Because when you think ECW, you think RVD. And that is true. Like when I do think of ECW, you think of RVD. So they could, I feel that they could have gone back, but I don't think they were because, you know, just the whole incident. What did you think of um, when? RVD got suspended and he loses the ECW title to the big show. Did you ever think they would go back to uh Van Dam? Uh Steve? Um more often like more likely no. I mean, I think if they were in a spot where they had no other options, they probably would have just cuz they know they could that he was, you know, he's obviously going to be, you know, over enough to do so, but um yeah, I think it, it was at that point because um, I think you know a lot of people probably thought they should, that the trigger should have been pulled on him when he first came in in two thousand one. So by the time he you know did win Money in the Bank and then won the belt, I think that was pretty much going to be the one time that they were going to do it. And then he ends up screwing it screwing it for himself. So um, I think at that point his uh, his window had had uh, closed completely. Yeah, you know just. You know, make sure when you get pulled over, you don't have anything on you. Are you are you guys in the commercial or out of it? Uh, no, we are actually uh, with um, uh, Matt Stryker's in the ring right now. Yeah, so it's so Matt what? Stryker versus Balls Mahoney. So this is a match that basically just got thrown together because they needed more than just uh, two matches to – be on this pay-per-view, but Mike, we were going back and saying that the ECW Extreme Elimination Chamber and the tag team match that we just saw were the only two matches that got promotional airtime for this pay-per-view. And that's also part of the reason why it's regarded as, you know, one of the worst pay-per-views of all time. <laughs> I mean, you can't you can't do much when you don't promote it. I mean, especially now, I like, when you don't have the name power. Yeah, now I like Matt Stryker in when he came in because I thought I thought for a 
for a second he was going to beat Kurt Angle for his gold medals. Yeah, and it was kind of cool, though, the whole teacher thing and then finding out that he actually got fired from his job because he was a real teacher in New York. And he was lying about um, what he was doing with all of his time, with all of his time, uh, time off, you know. So what's your timestamp, guys? I have, um, I have I have 35, 35. Okay, yeah, I'm a, I'm a few seconds. Uh, I'm like two, three seconds behind you. Okay, yep. there we go. So I'm now, at 38. Now. 39 okay yeah yeah i I have the uh premium uh peacock so i don't i don't have to deal with those ads yeah i don't either oh i don't on my tv but i have to um i'm I'm watching on the computer now Mm. oh yeah that's right so now matt striker is uh trying to lay down his school rules in an ecw arena I kind of like the Balls Mahoney leather jacket. I thought this was a cool character, you know, just like, I mean, this is like what the school, like what the school would need, you know, one badass rebel and Balls Mahoney is playing the character, the teacher versus the badass. It's like John Bender versus, um, uh, what was the, what was the, um, what was the, um, what was the principal's name in the breakfast club? Oh, I uh, oh I I have to I have to look it up. Oh, jeez, it's gonna like kill me now. Well, this is what it feels like. Hold on, Mr. No. Vernon. Yes, Mr. The Dick Paul. Vernon. Yes, yes, that's John, right. It's Bender versus Dick Vernon here. <laughs> yeah, he was played by um Paul Gleason. Yep, <laughs> Mr. Burns. Nice uh, fashion sense here for a striker with those tights, especially with his with his face on his uh, on his ass there. <laughs> Yeah, oh my god. What kind of a kind of a fashion statement is that? Balls Mahoney's got his eyes pierced. Shiger trying to tell Balls Mahoney and the referee they have to play by the rules. It's so bad when they scrunch up. <laughs> Mike, do you see uh, Bad Striker's um, outfit here? It was very um, creative, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> that's. I love the argyle, the argyle uh, knee pads. They always like a, to, they always like to talk about how uh, Mahoney was an amateur was an amateur wrestler back in the day, but got, I think got, like he got banned or something because he was too violent. Oh God, yeah, that was a bad leap by Boss Mahoney. Boss Mahoney cannot be leaping. Got a cross arm breaker. Yeah, Balls, sadly, Balls Mahoney is no longer with us. He passed away. I think he either had a, I know it was like a drug-related issue, so it might have been like a heart attack or something. But I know that he, he's gone. 
Do you know that uh, Balls Mahoney passed away, Steve? I, I did know. I remember when um, when the word came out when the word came out about it. That was one another one. That was one of those like holy crap, like oh crap, because it's like it's one of those guys you never really you know he had kind of disappeared for for such a long time that you never really thought about it. Then when you kind of then when he he popped up, you was like oh my god, it's um, and I was just kind of watching it. I'm just kind of reading now. Yeah, and said yeah, he had a it was a heart attack, and they also said that um I guess when they did his uh autopsy that he had um he had ct you know cte as well which if you watch some of his matches in the old ecw and all those uh freaking unprotected chair shots he took it's not not shock yeah it's really and not it's, and it's funny because they were part they their family did the lawsuit with the wwe mm-hmm. oh i did not know that either he was he was watching jeopardy when he had his heart attack wow Uh, uh, April 2016. 44 years old. Uh, a day after his 44th birthday. Day after? Wow. Just turned 44. Yeah, that was the other thing that he like. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was so. He was so young. You know what's funny is you know you look at it now and I hear them. You know they talk about like like Hogan back in the day and Flair in the back of the day. You know talk about how old. But look at like Jericho and AJ Styles and Cena and. <laughs> You know, everyone now, 44 would be considered prime. <laughs> yeah, because Jericho's like 50 or something now, right? Right. And I mean, look at Edge. Is it Edge 48? And he's looking I, like he's, you know, he was 10 years ago. Right. I mean, Rock just turned 50. Rock just turned 50. So yeah. he still looks great. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we do get to see the Rock come back and uh, fight Roman. There, there. If you do, you ever watch the show Young Rock? I do from uh, time to time. Yeah, I haven't had a chance they, to they, see it. They they set something up with a little with little Roman, like when they they were all watching wrestling, and he's like climbing on top of Rock. You know, when Rock was like uh, just in college, and he's like, "Acknowledge me, acknowledge me, Dewey." <laughs> and he's like, let's fight. And and the rock goes, no man. The only way we the only way we can fight is a main event of WrestleMania. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully that does happen. So we got Balls Mahoney here, you know, coming back against Matt Stryker. Every time he does the punches, match. the crowd always chants balls. Yep. Balls, 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 balls. Oh, he's doing it. Oh, got hurt on that one. So, Steve, did you have, um, because I noticed uh, in the crowd as well, did you have the uh, WWE 24-7 on-demand channel? No, that I I did not have. I'd always wanted it, but I never had a chance to get around to it. I didn't really get any of the streaming services until the network launched in uh, 2014. Oh, okay, yeah. Ooh, were you able to get it that first day? Uh, I, th- I think I did. Yeah. I, I, I remember. I think I, I got it finally at night. Like it just kept calling and calling. And the first thing I watched <laughs> was uh. Over the edge. <laughs> I 99 90, or 98 or yeah, I was about to say 98 or 99. 
98. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so WWE 24-7 launched in 2004. They were plugging it. I did not get it until 2007. The cable company that I was with was Charter, and they did not have it. I don't know if other people's cable companies back in 05 had it, but it took me 2007 to get it. See, we had Telemedia, and then and then it became Comcast, and they had it. I just never got it. Didn't have time. But it definitely wasn't. I mean, I mean, Ooh. now that I'm older and stuff, this was definitely something. Oh, geez. The network was awesome. That's got to hurt on uh, Striker right there. It was a small balls. 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 Yeah, Striker landed hard on his hip, huh, Steve? Mm-hmm. Spine buster. Uh, sit oh. down. Powerball. Oh, we got it. So Balls Mahoney out of nowhere winning with the sit down. Pro- like, I don't know. Diving powerbomb right there. What are you talking about? So Balls Mahoney wins. Uh. I'll give it um, a star and a half. What'd you think, Steve? Uh, I'd say star and a quarter. It was okay. Um, basic stuff for both guys. Um, not sure why balls needed to win. Um, I th- I think because I know that um they were looking at strikers a potential like you know top level heel. So didn't really make sense for. Especially, you know, given that he had, you know, put all those rules in place for him to lose. Um, I think it would have been better if they ha- if he had won either um, just clean to prove that he was the better wrestler or he used the chicanery, like, you know, cheating to win. To win I think it would have made for a better story. You, I um, in the pencil, so then, here is our first. Like a black trophy uh, at school. Here's our first so new one. Um, more cartoonish look, like an Eevee is. Yep, here's, so here's where here's our first uh, surprise tonight. Sabu gets attacked from behind, and yep. he is going to be taken out of the extreme elimination chamber. Yep, here's here's where the uh, the downfall begins for the show. Yeah. Did you have an idea on why you think Sabu got taken out of this match, Steve? I I don't know. I know there was um he was having some his own issues, you know, behind the scenes from what I heard. Like he was, you know, caught sleeping backstage or stuff like that. But um yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just that uh Maybe it's just again they're wanting to make sure that to not take some of the heat off of or take some of the heat away from Lashley. So to get one of you know because they know Sabu's going to get a good pop. So I guess you know they figure just write him out here, write him out here, so that uh, Lashley doesn't get any uh, doesn't split any pops. Yeah, I know, but uh, you know they were going to pop hard for RVD anyway too because you know they loved RVD, but and for Punk, yeah. 
So my thing is, because we've been watching ECW up until this point, is that Vince McMahon did not trust Sabu from the start either. Like, and you can tell in his matches that he is very, very sloppy in the ring as well. So Sabu, I think, was on the breaking point with Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because which is funny considering how you know well the push he got in the summer. I mean, he got the match with Cena at Vengeance, and then he got a SummerSlam match with with Big Show. So, I mean, they 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 treated him well that summer. But yeah, by this point, I think he I think he was one of those guys just ready, just wanted to get out. Yeah, and he was very very sloppy. I mean, there had to be some stuff backstage. Yeah, and it seemed that it was very, very like sloppy work by Sabu. So I think that Vince was like, I cannot trust this guy in this sort of match. And I'm going to take him out. So now we have Sylvester Turkai and Elijah Burke. I thought Sylvester Turkai was going to do something, but it's like Elijah Burke ends up actually getting more of a push than Sylvester does. And now we have the full-blood Italians of Tony Mamaluke and Little Guido, along with Trinity. Trinity, Hachimachi. Wow. <laughs> I'm sure Vince was not hating this. Maybe Trinity should have gotten a push. I don't know. Yeah, Elijah Burke was, I mean... Sylvester Turkai was not long for ECW nor a uh, WWE wrestling career. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so Sabu got attacked uh, in the back by either he got attacked, he got attacked in the back by somebody, and he's going to be taken out of the stretcher and he's going to be taken out of the extreme elimination chamber. I like Elijah. I like Elijah Burke's uh, hairstyle with the hat too, and the you know the dreads uh, sticking out of the hat too. He's smacking them around. You know, Elijah Burke has a uh, has a uh, had a WrestleMania match at uh, WrestleMania twenty three. When we get there, part of the. Um, ECW New Breed, as they were trying to launch. I didn't think that Matt Stryker belonged in ECW. But I guess they just needed heels and uh, they needed for him to do something. Yeah, it was. Yeah, some of these guys, it's like. Um... They would be on Raw and SmackDown for a little bit, but it's kind of like, oh, let's just because then let's just move them over here. Because I think uh, Turkai and Burke had debuted on SmackDown a few months prior. Then, like, uh, like not long after, they get they get jumped the EC, they get shipped to ECW, which was kind of a weird, uh, weird uh, choice. Yeah, well, I think with Stryker. Um... No, go ahead, Mike. Oh, I think with Stryker, it was more that Vince can they can really see on his. Uh, speaking ability and you know not many of the um ecw gang could really talk 
nice double team move by the FBI here. That uh, nice double clothesline. Yeah, Matt Stryker does have the uh, does have the uh, talking ability and promos to cut. Oh boy, here comes Sylvester Turkai. And he does look big and brute here. Can you imagine getting into a kickboxing contest with this guy here? Trinity uh, trying to get the crowd pumping while her while Tony Mamalug is getting pummeled. Oh, whoa. It's got to hurt. Oh, boy. Well, we don't got caught. Oh, oh boy. Whoa. Sylvester Takai is dominating in the in this ring. He's making it his ring. Thought this is ECW's yard. This is Sylvester Turkai's yard. Yeah, he, he. I mean, you get. I mean, Turkai definitely seems like a Vince guy, but just he just seems to. Uh, too generic, I think. Maybe that's why he. Maybe that's why they kind of took the focus off of him and made Burke the star. Yeah, because I mean, it looks like Sylvester Kosh is another big guy, but all he has is like power slams. He it doesn't seem like he's got anything special to him except for the brute strength. You know, he's not like he's Kevin Nash where he can do that big boots. You know, although. Sylvester did did seem well by just tossing tossing uh, FBI one by one over the top rope. I remember when Little Guido. I did not know Little Guido in ECW. I was all new to um, to ECW. So when. Little Guido came in. I knew him as Nunzio, as Jamie Noble's cousin. Little did I know that he he was the FBI guy in ECW. You know, oh, that's Little Guido. So I would be told, you need to know that guy like wrestled in ECW back in the day. I was like, no, you mean he's somebody else? He was like, yeah, that was Little Guido back in the day, just repackaged. And he had his, um, he had the FBI there with Johnny Stamboli and uh, Chuck Palumbo there. Oof. One, two. Some Mom Luke breaking it up. Yeah, Elijah Burke will get a push with, um, with ECW in 2007. You know, a lot of the um, a lot of the guys that were brought back for ECW in 2006, either they end up getting released or, uh, you know, they're just not being used. We saw like Danny Doring and Roadkill on ECW in 2006. And then Roadkill is like Roadkill's gone. 
So a lot of the uh, UCW talent that got brought in, you know, they're they're gone. I believe that Justin Credible is probably gone at this time. So not really what people thought it was going to be. And I think, Steve, also people were thinking that it was going to be the invasion angle all over again, where either the ECW guys aren't getting in or, um, you know, that they're just going to be looked to get squashed. So a lot of um, invasion uh, things as well. Hmm. Yeah, I never never thought of it. There's I thought of it that way and oh, there's the win. Yep, so Elijah Burke. Uh Mike um Mike's having technical difficulties. So Steve, you and I will just mm-hmm. continue it, all right? Okay. All right, so now Sylvester Turkai. Oof. Oof. Yes, uh, Samoa Joe, he is not. <laughs> no, that was a muscle buster. <laughs> I don't even know if you can call that a muscle buster. Muscle buster it looked like it, though. Yeah. I think crowd, some of the crowd actually chanting TNA after that, because uh, you notice uh, um, Burke, his finisher, was basically um, was, was uh, the stroke that Jeff Jarrett uses. Yeah. Yeah, Joe even Dean dropped it. Muscle bust does the muscle buster. Yep. <laughs> so again, you know, uh one of these uh filler matches, but again, they needed stuff to do. So this again is another match that gets um Gets added to the show. So now we see Sabu getting loaded up into the ambulance. He's going to be taken out. But uh, CM Punk. Uh, Steve, what did you think of when CM Punk debuted for WWE? I mean, it was a big deal. I mean, I know a lot of people were... um were shocked at the time that he that he was going to go because he, he seemed like the most like anti WWE guy, you know, at that time. And, you know, there was all that news and, you know, all the big stuff he did in 05 where he, uh, he, you know, he signed with them, but he also won the Ring of Honor title and they did the whole summer of punk. And then I think um, him joining ECW was this was the smart idea because he's obviously a guy that Paul Heyman, you know, you know, he's he's his kind of guy. So you knew going in that that Paul was going to, you know, push him very as hard as he could so um yeah i mean it was definitely a, a big deal when he uh when he came in yeah um i remember seeing him versus just incredible and thought oh this guy's got something but at the same time um, he was just having like, all these short matches here and there. Like, um, they were just squash matches with, um, you know, either they were the jobbers or or they were some of the uh, low-level uh, ECW talent, like, you know, Steven Richards. And then you had the whole Mike Knox thing where it was like, you know, he's just submitting 
guys left and right. So we don't really know what Punk's all about because he's not having the matches that he's supposed to be having where we don't know a lot of his style. We know that uh, he's like all the jujitsu and everything, but his matches are too short. Mm-hmm. Well, he had he did have his uh, that big moment at Survivor at the Survivor Series when he was on a with when he teamed with DX and the Hardys against uh, Rated RKO's team, and I mean he was definitely the most over guy in that that group um, to the point that uh, Triple H even let him do the um, Are you ready for the crowd? Now, granted, they were in Philly, so he was going to get a huge reaction nonetheless. But still, it was definitely uh, I think you can definitely tell something. That they, they that he had uh, he had something some some connection with the uh, with the crowd there. So uh, now we've got our next match here. We got uh, speak of more uh, SmackDown castoffs, uh, Davari and Great Khali. Yes. Yeah, so I remember that they were doing uh, like this is what I call a dropped angle that got picked up again because I remember that Great Khali and Tommy Dreamer had a match. And then the great Kali interfered, but then they just like dropped it because, you know, Tommy Dreamer's not on TV and the, they weren't really using the great Kali. And it's like, this man, this is back on again. So it's not even great Kali versus Tommy Dreamer. It is Tommy Dreamer versus Davari. <laughs> so I would like to say that this, um, this got dropped and got picked back up again. innovator of violence here having a match with Davari so here's a good question Steve um if if they don't want Sabu because he's sloppy why not just have Tommy Dreamer but I mean I know who they're gonna go with um you know I guess they wanted to heal but if if Vince really just didn't you know, trust Sabu. Why not play Tommy Dreamer? Maybe that's because Tommy Dreamer didn't want to be in the spotlight of the match or, you know, Vince didn't want him. But I know that Tommy, with Tommy Dreamer, he doesn't want to make it all about him. You know, like that's how, so like Tommy is like the most unselfish person ever. Like he put a lot of people over and was like, it's not about me. Like that was Tommy's motto. I'm here to make other people look good. But I think Tommy could have had a couple. I mean, Tommy could have had a great moment here if he was in the uh, extreme elimination chamber. What about you, Steve? Oh, I I agree. I mean, he he's you know he's you know the, you know he is the heart and soul of ECW. So I think it would have made uh definitely made sense to do that. And I think there's also. Another guy that could have uh, fit really well in there. We'll, you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about him. Uh, talk about him later. But um, yeah, I mean, I think um, at this point they just saw Dreamer as the guy to get, you know, get guy to get put put these uh, put these guys over. Hence why they have him here with uh, with the uh, Davari. Yep. But uh, so suplex by Tommy. Oh, Greg Holly just pulls him right out. And now he's just like, hey, did you pull him over? Yeah, you did. You're out of here. Also, he kicks out the Greg Holly. Oh, man. Look at the. Oh, 
gosh, again, another generic, what'd you think? Another generic big guy by a great colleague or an actual threat? Well, I mean, they clearly thought Kali could be their next big giant. I mean, they I mean the fact that they had him beat the Undertaker clean back at Judgment Day spoke volumes of what they thought about him. But I think by this point they um, kind of saw maybe that because because it's it's so weird what happened to him. So he beats Taker at Judgment Day. Then he's they're supposed to have a rematch at uh, the Bash, which I think was at that Punjabi prison. But then he has the liver enzyme issue. Um, it gets pulled, and then I think they have a, I think it was a last man standing match on SmackDown, which Taker wins, and then he disappears for a bit. Then he's like shows up unexplicably here, here as um as Davari's muscle. So it's just, I don't know if just they they lost um faith in him all, already because I mean we'll see what happens to him in a few months in 2007, but um. Yeah, he's just this really weird that the the, uh, the trajectory here of uh, of Kali. Yep. Nice little neck breaker hold by uh, Davari. Yeah, when uh, the great Kali walked in with the Undertaker, it was like, what is going on? Who is this guy? And I thought Undertaker was going to make his match, uh, meet his match. Well, now those two fans uh, in the crowd have the uh, foam uh, foam kendo sticks. I guess ECW <laughs> must have been uh, trying to market that as a new uh, new item for sale. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I did. I did notice that too. They're probably bashing their heads together at this point, thinking, "Why did we spend money to come to the show?" <laughs> <laughs> So when ECW in 2006 came back, um, they were going to have a show at the Danbury O'Neill Center, which is the college auditorium at Western Connecticut University College. And I got front row tickets. And I'm thinking about it, it's like an ECW house show. I was like, that's got to be really cool. <laughs> the night of the, the night of my freshman homecoming dance. <laughs> A guy from the ticket uh, outlet was like, uh, yeah, this uh, event has been canceled. We'll uh, re- refund your money. And that's when it was like SmackDown and ECW were combining, but they didn't redo the show. Because mm. I guess they finally realized that ECW was could not make it on its own. So they had to do the house show loop uh, with SmackDown and ECW combined. Mm-hmm. But I remember being like, oh, man, I got front row tickets to the house show. <laughs> Might have been like the only people who got those tickets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tommy Dreamer. Oh, little dusty. Excuse me, little Dusty Rhodes action there with the flip flop and flies. Backdrop by Dreamer one, two, and Bird DDT two count. So at this point, uh, do you think Tommy Dreamer's past his prime here? 
Um, I don't say completely past his prime. I mean, I I don't think he's a guy that's gonna be a you know the star of your brand. I think he's um where he is is in, he's in a good spot as the guy as kind of like the gatekeeper um for the mid you know for the mid card kind of that guy that um if you have somebody that you want to push to the next level um have him feud with with him and he can get him he can get him over yeah that was a terrible splash by davari oh man davari is uh tied up in the corner Oh, oh, draw kicks the face by Tommy Dreamer. Was he setting him up? Nope, Tavari's got him. Two. Oh, dang. Woof. Got him with a surprise pin, but he grabbed the tights. I'm going to give that uh I'll give it a, a star and a quarter. My uh star and a quarter, Steve. Yeah, that's uh, star and a quarter sounds about right. Again, it was like and by the oh by the way for the the tag match we did the the previous tag match, I went uh I went a star and a half on that one, but um I mean, yeah, it's I mean, technically it was okay, but I mean this is I me. Mean, this is you know. This is what TV's for. This like these like those these last three matches we ever stuff you would see on TV, not on a paid uh you know paid show. Oh, Greg Kelly just slams oh. him. I don't know. I think that was kind of unnecessary for Dreamer to t- to cut you know to do. Yeah, Tommy Dreamer's back has got to be uh, killing him by now. Oh, my God. Yeah, so uh, Tommy Dreamer just got slammed into the steel stage by the great Kali after Davari gets that pin. Let's watch this again. Ooh, oh, slow motion too. Tommy Dreamer does not be needing to take falls like that, but uh, even at Tommy Dreamer age now, he he does. I mean, you know, he still does uh, some shows up in uh, Philly with uh, Rob Feinstein and the whole, um, you know, RF video, uh, like you know, some of those like wrestling uh, shows. Tommy's up there wrestling. Well, I know his, that his mentor was uh, Terry Funk, so I mean, <laughs> yeah, I know that referee. Um, that's uh, Mickey J over there uh, to the left. Um, he actually just recently passed away. Um, I think like a month or two ago. Oh yeah, that's right. I remember seeing. Yeah, I remember seeing that too. That was a shock. I was like, that was. He seemed like the nicest little one. He seemed like one of the nice referees, from what everyone said. Mm-hmm. I'll Tommy Dreamer trying to walk it off. Tommy Dreamer trying to give one for the fans to be the definition of uh, of ECW. 
ECW does respect Paul. Uh, ECW does respect Tommy Dreamer. That's for sure. So now we have oh. Paul Heyman versus uh, Paul. Not not Paul Heyman versus, but uh, Paul Heyman talking with Hardcore Holly. Hardcore Holly was back from uh, bleed from an injury. Um, the last thing before uh, Hardcore Holly coming to ECW uh, that I remember was that he was tag team with Charlie Haas back in 2005. Yeah, I he knew was... that uh, he was in 2005, like on the SmackDown card in 2005. Mm-hmm. What did you think of that? Uh, Oh, so uh, Paul Heyman just gave Hardcore Holly a Sabu spot, so Hardcore Holly gets what he wants. But what did you think of that <laughs> Hardcore Holly Rob Van Dam um, Extreme Rules match? The one where um, the table got all up in Hardcore Holly's back. Yeah, that was a uh, that was nasty. I mean, that was a. I mean, that looked it just that looked like it just like hurt like hell for Holly. And I think, um, and I remember there was like a lot of, uh, he, he kind of got a lot of, um, respect from the, you know, from the fans for, you know, not only taking that, taking that bump of finishing that match with that injury. And, um, you know, the, I think he got a, I think after the match, he got a, like a standing ovation. So it's like, you know, if they, they ran with that and had him as a face, I think it actually could have worked, but instead they kind of, you know, turned him back into a heel. And I think, and it just, um, kind of killed a little bit of that momentum he had coming off that injury. Yeah. I'm sorry, Steve. Uh, you know, I was listening, but I kind of got distracted by Kelly Kelly here. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And here is Mike Knox. Oh, boy. If there was actually what is a grass, what is it? If, if grass is green, this guy is greener than grass. <laughs> Kelly just, uh, just like kind of secretly wished uh, punk luck in his in the uh, chamber. Yeah, this uh, this match has been going on for like, I mean, this uh, storyline has been going on for like so long of, um, um. Mike Knox and CM Punk, and it's like, how long does this thing go on for? Yeah, and they're not even, and they're not even fighting here. Instead, we got this like really weird ass uh, mixed tag here. It's Knox and Kelly against uh, Kevin Thorne and Aria. Who, by the way, talk about Hachimachi, freaking Ariel here. <laughs> yeah, oh, I wish I was. I wish I would have been Joey Styles. Uh, those like last uh, couple of weeks on uh, on ECW, <laughs> she's literally just dancing in front of Joey all the all those times, like just jumping on him. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I wish I was uh, Joey Styles right here. Isn't this like Shelly Martinez? Like, yes, yeah. Ariel is Shelly Martinez. Yep. I met her um, at the uh, Police Academy League building, Shelly Martinez. And I just realized, I was like, wait a second. She's like, yeah. I was like, 
you were Aaron said, yep, I was Ariel. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I liked uh, Kev- I, I liked uh, Kevin Thorne. You know, I was watching a lot of his uh, his ECW shows. He does like the Razor's Edge um, as his finisher. Mm-hmm. So two heels basically going at it. Yeah, that's that's the thing. You got yeah, I mean you got really I mean you got three heels and uh in the only face of the match is Kelly, basically. Yep. It is funny kind of seeing Knox here looking like that, knowing in a few when, what he looks like in a few years with like the long hair and the the long scraggly beard on uh on Raw and SmackDown. Oh my gosh. I thought he was like go in two thousand seven. I don't even remember like when when um I didn't even remember like that he was on Raw and SmackDown. Oh yeah, he got like a I think he like feuded with Rey Mysterio for a little bit. He got in he actually got into a what's it twenty ten I think it was in one of the um chamber matches for a, for the WWE titles. So Holy he got crap. a little yeah, got a little bit of a mini push there in late oh nine and into early in the early ten. Wow. You would have thought it was all over after uh, Survivor Series 2006 when Shawn Michaels was like, who was that? (laughs) I do like Kevin Thornton's outfit. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know it's like it's all about the eye candy, but uh, this vampire gimmick uh, seems very interesting. At least yeah. you're not making them come out in like full Dracula. I don't even think like he's supposed to be a vampire. What's like a warlock? He's supposed to be. I, he's got the. I mean, he's got the fangs. Yeah. So I mean, I think the whole the whole deal was like, yeah, I don't I don't think the whole thing was like he was supposed to be a vampire. I think they said he was like into like bike clubs or whatever that sort of thing. Which this it's funny. This guy's got like you know uh, the guy's you know when he first came out and you know oh four he was you know Mordecai. And now a few years later, here he is as Kevin Thorne. It's, you know, just these weird, weird characters for him. He went from white to black and it was like, wow, he went from he he really did go from heaven to hell. Did he not? (laughs) (laughs) They thought he was going to be like the next Undertaker WrestleMania opponent, like at one point. Well, I think they they sadly mistaken (laughs) Yeah, I think they had, and I think if I remember in 04, like, right after he debuted, they pegged him for, like, a few with Eddie, but then he got, like, taken off TV after only, like, two months. Yeah, because he was, like, he was beating, like, you know, he was doing the jobbings to Scotty Too Hottie, where he was just beating the crap out of Scotty Too Hottie. So that's going to get you far. Yeah, not a lot of tagging going on for the women, so the men are going to have to do most of the work here. Mm-hmm. Crowded, the crowd's probably thinking, why the hell are we watching this? Yep. It's almost Maybe like they were trying to go for a, uh, for like, uh, Mark Marrow Sable versus Goldust and Luna from WrestleMania 14. Either though, none of these people are even <laughs> close to those four. Like, no. I mean, Kelly, Kelly is definitely no Sable. 
Yeah, Kevin Thorne gets foot on the leg, foot, foot on the rope now. And uh, I mean, Kevin Thorne looks more like Gangrel, if anything. <laughs> well, I remember there was, I think there was like rumor that uh, they wanted to bring Gangrel in to be with Thorne and, uh, and Ariel to like complete the whole, complete like the vampire uh, group there. Did Gangrel lose enough weight for Vince McMahon's liking? Because I heard that's why Gangrel got fired in the first place. They um, saw him with his stomach his stomach uh, sticking out and, and fired him on the spot. <laughs> we have, um, I don't know what you want to call it, uh, just a typical wrestling move. So Ariel actually tags in. Standard wrestling moves by Mike Knox. Oh, Ariel wants to like get get your woman in the ring. Get her in the ring right now. Ariel sorta of has the Daphne uh vibes going too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Screaming Daphne. I've been, I've been, uh, my, 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 uh, chrono watch has been, uh, 2000. I've been in 2000 and, you know, 2000 WCW doesn't have a lot going for it, but I will say like that early part of the year, um, the Daphne David Flair crowbar like trio was actually one of my like guilty pleasures of, uh, WC of WCW. Yeah. Are you, so are you talking about like the February of like 2000 or are you talking about like June of 2000? Like January, February, like right, oh, be- okay. right before, uh, yeah. right before the reboot in April. Oh, right before the reboot, uh, okay. Because that feud, uh, well, I mean, it goes on and off, like in also in, like the summer months too. But uh, yeah, no, David Flair, Crowbar, and Daphne were a really good uh, thing. Look at the legs here by uh, <laughs> by Ariel. <laughs> um, <laughs> Some nice shots by this camera, man. <laughs> Kelly Kelly's like, why am I in here? I don't wrestle. <laughs> Apparently it was Vince McMahon who taught her how to dance. Well, to be to be fair, uh, I know you're we're still a little bit away away from uh, Extreme Expo say, but she was definitely the uh she was definitely being carried by Lay- by Layla and Brooke in that group. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you think about it, uh, oh, what the dang little shake from uh, Ariel there. Yeah, well, Layla has, um, I read on Lay- Lay- Layla's biography that she had Miami Heat um, cheerleading experience as well. Miami Heat dancer. Oh, and Mike Knox is running away so typical stuck up boyfriend uh running out on his girl here to be fed to the vampires or the wolves at this point mm. <laughs> wow well this mike Knox's character is supposed to be the jealous boyfriend here but kelly kelly had to come i mean you know you don't say Congratulations. Oh, a one, two, three. 
a really weird uh, choke slam maneuver. I don't know what you want to call that, Steve. <laughs> I'm going to give it three quarters of a star. Yeah. Um, I'll give it a star. It was, it was fine again for, again, just more, uh, seemingly more just, uh, you know, typical TV tag match. Do you think Kevin Thorne could have been a, uh, Oh wait, nope. What do we got here? Do we have the, uh, the same man? Oh, it is him. Now, see, you want to talk about people that could have been in the elimin- in the extreme elimination chamber? What about Sandman? I know. I thought he was in the elimination chamber. I keep on forgetting who our six competitors are, but now I remember. It's like, oh, it's um, Van Dam. It's Punk. Test Big Show, Hardcore Holly, Bobby Lashley. Yep, Sandman could have been in the match too. So my mom's um, one of my mom's old high school roommates. She knew um, she was a distant relative of Captain Lou Albano. Oh wow! And I think it was like his seventieth birthday party uh, that she was talking about. And the same man ended up getting arrested that night at Captain Lou Albano's um, 70th birthday party. <laughs> That's not And surprising. she was like, I wasn't there for that. But uh, yeah, he got really drunk and uh, started slurring a lot. And then he got arrested, uh, you know, like six hours later. Wait, same man getting really drunk? No. Same yeah, so. no. You, you wouldn't think, right? You thought it was Diet Coke. It wasn't Diet Coke. <laughs> yeah. my, my mom's friend is like Sandman got arrested at the Capitol Hill Panos party <laughs> yep so like Sandman, Kane and uh, Kevin Thorne there good old beer smack my head I think that was the only time the crowd got excited during that whole the whole like 10 last 10 minutes was, his, yeah. was when he came out <laughs> yeah like, dude, you dropped the same man's beer. Oh, uh, my friend at the um, my coworker buddy, we went to a uh, independent show in uh, at the Danbury Police Academy League building, and um, Sam and uh, poured beer on him, and he uh, was sipping out of it in his mouth. So that was hilarious. Waterfalling it, yes, that's what it's called. Waterfalling it. <laughs> Good old James Brown Arena in ECW December to December. That's got to be the worst lighting ever. Like, you know, the Raws get flashier lights than that. Uh, ECW here. <laughs> Forget who this is. Is this Bro? No, that's not Bro. No, uh, what was her Alexa? name? Alexa? No, it's uh, Rebecca. Rebecca, that's who it is. Now we're going over the uh, so basically everyone is getting a, uh, you know, little flashbacks here and there of why they're here in the uh, ECW Elimination Chamber. Bobby Lashley 
uh, signed the contract as the last participant for the ECW to become the ECW job contender for uh, the ECW chamber. That's where it was going to be parkour Holly. You see this nice boot by Tess and these uh, double teams by the riot squad, which are the Basham brothers, mm-hmm. Doug and Danny Basham. Ooh. Big show here, making a statement that Lashley is not walking out of the, ECW Elimination Chamber as champion. It's not going to happen, Lashley. Big Show is going to retain. Thought it was a good go home edition uh, going into uh, this pay per view, though. You know, you get the double team at the end for uh, Lashley to not have to have doubt that Lashley is going to make it out alive as the uh, ECW champion, but also test. Uh, going into a no contest because with CM Punk, I thought that was really good. You know, Tess is a very good uh, athlete here. And uh, also you have um, CM Punk, too. So they couldn't have them go looking bad going into this uh, ECW uh, Extreme Championship Chamber match as well, the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. So I guess we're wow. I guess we're already here at uh, the um, the uh, main event. Right here at the main event. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm always at like a loss for words on these things. Again, we do apologize, folks. Uh, Mike Cook had um, technical difficulties, but I just want to say thank you to Steve for. Uh, filling in and uh, being my tag team partner here tonight. When one man goes down, someone comes in. Yeah, no problem. So now, uh, yeah, Big Show's been on a little bit of a dominant run as the ECW ECW champion. So let's go back, Steve, um, as we will. So, Rob Van Dam loses the ECW title to the big show July 4th, 2006, after getting caught with drugs and getting suspended. Then we think that, you know, Kurt Angle is going to be in ECW for so for for long. And he asked for his release prior to SummerSlam, but he doesn't get released until September. CM Punk is basically, you know, beating up guys and making them tap out to his Anaconda vice grip. I'm just uh, bringing up a lot of points uh, going into this, mat, going into this pay-per-view, because uh, there's also going to be the fallout, which I will explain afterwards. So, so you have CM Punk making everyone tap out to his vice grip. Tess makes his return. Um, Tess makes his return to ECW where he's been beating up, uh, you know, Tommy Dreamer. Sabu's just been having squash matches uh, where he's winning. and uh, But he also has a really great match with Big Show at SummerSlam. So the Big Show's been on a run. Rob Van Dam comes back. Van Dam wants Big Show all to himself. So he's been going through every 
every cast by Paul Heyman. But then when Van Damme wins the right to face the big show, Paul Heyman puts it into an extreme elimination chamber. So the big show is going to be fighting, you know, as we said, he's supposed to be fighting Bobby Lashley, Sabu, CM Punk, Tess, and Rob Van Dam. Sabu gets taken out tonight, and Harker Holly becomes the uh, six the six man uh, in the elimination chamber, taking out Sabu. Steve, what did you think of the build up to? Um, I mean, you know, remember like a lot that I said, and like everything that has uh, transpired uh, in the months leading up to this pay-per-view. Like, what did you think of ECW as a whole? I think by this point, you knew that the initial, I think the initial vision that I think Paul had for the, had for this brand was probably not much longer. Um, So um, it, it was very interesting. It was very interesting. I thought the build was actually pretty, was pretty good for the match. Um, you know, we've, you know, you know, RVD has been chasing that, you know, that title rematch since the summer. And finally Paul says, okay, you're going to get it, but you know, you're not going to be the only one that gets it. So he keeps putting the screws to him. Um, I th- think the mix of guys for the match was, you know, was, was pretty good as well. Um, I think by, uh, again, by this point, you knew where they were going that, um, that they saw Lashley as the guy to be the the new top uh, top face on the brand, um, and it's funny because you say you know because you're right, Big Show's been having this great run as champion, but he's just been looking so bad in terms of like his health, and you know it's just you know kind of unfortunate that he's finally you know you know how many, you know what seven years now in the company, this is the best he's probably looked you know in that entire time, and he looks. At times, he looks like he's you know near death. So, you knew. I think um, he knew his time was probably going to be you know coming up here. That he might take some time away, and um, you know they like I said, they just want to uh, get ready to transition and kind of have Lashley be the next uh, the next big guy on uh, on ECW since it seemed like he had uh, he kind of got lost in the shuffle on SmackDown. And they wanted to make him. They knew they wanted to make him a top guy, but they didn't want to have him play second fiddle to Batista over on SmackDown. So that's why they moved him here. Yeah, I agree as well. I mean, having uh, Batista on SmackDown didn't really help uh, Bobby Lashley, but he did have a great run as the uh, United States Champion, uh, beating JBL uh, right after uh, the whole. Um, believe that was at um that was at judgment day yeah not at judgment the smackdown after judgment day uh bobby lashley beats the uh beats jbl for the u.s title so he was the u.s champion at the time and then uh he makes the transition over to um ecw because batista just came back too after injury and he become batista becomes the world heavyweight world heavyweight champion So here is the backstory to the fallout of this pay-per-view. Paul Heyman, it's been said on record that the real reason why Paul Heyman got fired and Paul Heyman does get fired and he doesn't come back until... I don't know, Steve, 2000 and, 
2012, I believe. Yes, it's he comes back right around as they start building uh, Triple H and Brock at uh, SummerSlam. Yeah. So. The, so from what I was from what I read is that they had their disagreement on who should walk out of the elimination chamber and the pay per view as champion. Vince McMahon wants. Bobby Lashley and Paul Heyman wants CM Punk. I believe, I don't know if he wants CM Punk to win, but he wanted CM Punk to go on a run and just make everybody tap out to the Anaconda Vice Grip and walk out as the ECW champion. And so. Vince McMahon just had enough of Paul trying to say, Paul trying to get what he wants. And, you know, Vince always has the final say, but Paul just wouldn't let it go. And he kept on budging and budging until Vince was like, Paul, you know what? We're going to have these disagreements all the time. I'm going to have to let you go. And. That was like legit it. Vince McMahon just had enough of Paul Heyman and uh, his constant arguing and not just letting things go. And if you weren't going to do it Vince's way, he he let him go because, you know, Vince won Bobby Lashley. And I think it's like it comes down to what Vince wants. And Vince really wants Bobby Lashley to become ECW champion here. Your thoughts, Steve, and uh, what you heard about this? I think just here, I mean, we I know we kind of have the volume down here, but just hearing Paul's pro, like little promo there at the beginning, I think you knew, I think you could definitely tell he was, he was checked out. Um, you know, he had this, you know, this whole grant, you know, this whole big thing of what he wanted the brand to be when it came back in June. And it was you know, like, you know, kind of, you know, conflicting with Vince and, you know, the, like you said, the going the back and forth, the back and forth, and then kind of like, you know, the, the final straw here with, you know, with Vince being animated about having Lashley as champion. And, and um, I, yeah, I think Paul just kind of saw the run on the wall. He was just like, you know, I'm, I'm done with this. I want, I want out. And um, I, I feel like I've heard rumors too, that um, one of the other initial plans they wanted was for Lashley, to win, but then he turns heel and is revealed to be Paul's new guy. Like, like he get like Big Show, like with Big Show, Le- like with Big Show stepping away, Lashley was going to be kind of like the next big heel to have to be by Paul's side. And uh, I guess they again just didn't want they. I think Vince was you know he wanted Lashley to be the the top face of the brand, and um, I think this is also kind of where you see the you know. I think where uh, Punk kind of starts seeing the writing on the wall because I think, like you said, he felt maybe he was going to get a good run here, and he was he was you know a Paul you know he was a Paul Heyman guy, and you know I think we kind of see you know it takes him a while to kind of get um, get going shortly after this as we'll see, but um, yeah, it was just a really weird weird time, and um, I think the brand could could have still done well. In the coming months, if they maybe had dropped the ECW name after Paul had left, 
and they and they switch it to you know another name. I think we'll see um, in the years that you know in the years to come, you know what the brand becomes, and um, having like the ECW name attached to it, I think was an albatross that just kind of weighted down too much. Yeah, indeed, and I think that even like Paul said has been going on many has said in interviews that he wasn't a factor of bringing back ECW and he sort of just wanted to like bury it and leave it to rest. But I guess he saw potential in CM Punk and others and thought this might actually work. But then Vince McMahon took over because really like it's Shane McMahon who had a, who had an itch for ECW too. So we got the uh, big show walking in and uh, he took the um, he took the barbed wire baseball bat. And now mm-hmm. we have us uh, now we have CM Punk here. Oh, man, the big show. I don't know if you thought I thought the big show looked uh, bad here. Yeah, he's not he's definitely uh, he's not looking too good here. Nice to give CM Punk the nod. Well, I mean, you know, see, they got the nod at uh, Survivor Series, but uh, to be putting a uh, putting a match like this as well. So he's about six. Yeah, he is six months into five, five and a half to six months uh, of his career is. Uh, here in the WWE and ECW. Did CM Punk do any impact uh, before WWE? Um, I, th- I think he, I think he did. I think when he was doing, um, I think it was cause I know TNA and, and uh, ring of honor had a little like, you know, talent exchange in like, Oh, three Oh four. I think that was right around when Punk was doing the feud with Raven, um, that he kind of showed up. That he showed up in TNA for for a for a little bit. I don't think it was for long though, because then, like I said, by then I think by 05, he's got the feud with Joe, and then he had um. Then, like I said, he he signed with he signed with them, but then they made him the world champion. He did the whole summer of punk in uh in the summer of 05. So if if he wasn't TNA, it was only for a very uh very brief time. So now we have CM Punk with the chair. I think Big Show is going to be. I don't know if he's done after this pay per view. I have to remember, but I know that he's not long to. He's not long, and he's gone by uh, January of '07. I heard that it was going to be Big Show versus uh, Hogan at WrestleMania 23 uh, for uh, Hogan being in Trump's corner and Big Show being in McMahon's corner. That was like a rumor. Yeah, I, I don't know. That. I don't remember if you heard that one, Steve. No, I, I heard that one. I think, and I do think. Um, I think, sh- I think shows on the next ECW that you and uh, Michael talk about, and then I think after that he's done because I think I read he was. They offered and they offered to extend his contract, but he he said um, he declined it because again, like I said, I think he knew that um, he needed to get his health in or in order first before he even uh, before he attempted to uh, continue on here. And speaking of health here, um, 
Test is looking incredibly uh, unhealthily, unhealthily uh, jacked here. I mean, he's looking, <laughs> he is insane. Yeah, I kind of like this uh, test. You know, everyone says it should have been him at the Survivor Series 1999 main events. I mean, I, I remember when he came back and they announced he was going to be in ECW. I thought I thought it was a good, you know, he was a good addition, you know, good addition because he had been he had been gone for a while and now he was, you know, back. I thought it was he was a good veteran presence for the brand. Um, and yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. He kind of gets a little bit of a you know push here, um, but yeah, he just looks so. I mean. He, if he didn't look like he was about to burst out of his skin, I think he could have lasted a little bit longer. Yeah, um, he's not long for uh, WWE because I believe in 2007, maybe mid-2007, he is in TNA as Andrew the Punisher, Martin. Yeah, then what I think it was what two years later in 09, he um he died. He passed away. Yes, Tess does pass away in 2009. But um, I really like the uh, I like the Tess jacked look here. Um, I thought Tess could have uh, Tess was a good powerhouse heel, heel here. He still got the big boot and um, he still had the he had that nice swinging neckbreaker too as a uh, finisher. Mm-hmm. But a uh, big show looking on. So I guess it's going to be no Bob Lashley's going to enter the chamber. So it's going to be Rob Van Dam versus Hardcore Holly starting off first. Mm-hmm. And they Lashley showed um, Test had the uh, Test had the crowbar in his pod. So Lashley got has the pod with the the table in it. I wonder if Rob Van Dam and uh, Hardcore are going to come out with weapons or are they just going to play it off when the other four guys get in? That's when the weapons will start. I'll have to uh, wait and find out. I think it was a good uh, move to start off with. Um, I mean, you could have gone CM Punk versus Hardcore, but uh, I think it was nice that they started off with uh, Rob Van Dam versus Hardcore, but why not put why not let Rob Van Dam have the uh, uh you know, I mean some everyone's gotta like gotta be somewhere, so um you could have had CM Punk for hardcore starting off. Yeah, but you also could have um if Paul, you know, they wanted to continue the the angle of Paul putting the screws to RVD because said like, yeah, like hey, you have to you'll have to start the match off. Um, as the first guy in it, so um, if they could have done that as well. Mm-hmm. I thought I, um, I thought Hardcore Holly came out with brass knuckles. Yeah. Uh, what did you remember, Steve? I I, I was no, I was going to say I thought it was uh, I remember at the time thinking it was interesting that we had two elimination chambers in one year because if you because we had the one back in uh, at New Year's Revolution that uh. That Cena one um, that led into the edge cash in of the Money in the Bank. So it was kind of cool seeing two uh, Money in the Bank matches in one year because we hadn't seen it before. Oh, yeah, the two Elimination Chamber matches. Yep. Yeah, because there's no back to back, there's no uh, double Hell in the Cell uh, 
in 2006. You know, they went with uh, two Elimination Chamber matches. RVD getting the pop like he always does. RVD's not going to be too... um, He's going to be like here for a couple more months, but he's gone in 07 as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does the. Uh, he has like the. Fe- I think the feud with Orton is the is the last we see of him for a while. Yeah, but he was part of. Um, he was part of the um, the ECW um, originals versus the New Breed feud, and that was going. That that was kind of going well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys will get into that here soon too. Yeah, but uh, this seems like the last uh, big highlight for uh, 2006 of ECW. You know, a lot of the uh, highs and lows uh, in 2006. I mean, you could say that this is probably um, an in between. So it's a five minute interval before the next competitor. Gets in. As I was saying, uh, you know, this pay per view leaves with, I don't know if the fans leave happy that who who wins this match, but um, you know, it does seem like a low point from the business business standpoint of WWE and Paul Heyman's relationship as well. Hmm. Well, I, I remember um, after he had left, you know, I think no, I don't think anybody ever expected that he would return. So. Yeah, you know, when he when he did when he did come back in 2012, I think it was a pleasant surprise for everybody. And the fact that he's you know, it's been ten years ten years now almost, and he's still there. I mean, that's you know, that's it's pretty uh, impressive to think about. But obviously, you know, you know, Paul when he came back in in 2012 is much different than what he is um, than where his mindset is right now. Yep. Um... I think that Paul needed to grow up and realize that, hey, I made a mistake. And Vince is always, I think Vince and Paul, like, you can send Paul home so many times, but that door is going to always be open. I love, um, I I admire, um, I love RVD's um, gear here, the the dragon on... uh, uh, on the front, Oof. lands hard on the uh, steel floor there. So, RBD and Hardcore Holly are starting this off. Oh, he lands, but then he um, ooh, he's caught in the turnbuckle, slammed onto the steel by Hardcore. And we're almost at the uh, two-minute mark here. You using the uh, they're already using the elimination chamber. So uh, who's gonna come out first, and uh, what weapon is it gonna be? Uh, you know, we're almost at the uh, should be under the two minute mark now, but uh, that also plays into a factor. Um, who's coming out, and uh, what weapon is coming out as well? Mm-hmm. 
everyone's looking on, uh, you know, of Hardcore Holly and Rob Van Dam here. Hardcore going up to the top. Um, not too much there, so he just gets the kick mm-hmm. to the face. Yeah, I don't think they needed to do a lot with uh, Van Dam and Hardcore here. You know, I think they just need them just to buy time until the first weapon comes into play. But we'll see here. Is it going to be the Rolling Thunder? Oh, he landed the Rolling Thunder. Ooh, onto the outside. Oh, I forgot. Like you're like two seconds behind me. No, it's it's fu- no, it's all it's all good. Oh, he landed that Rolling Thunder. That's gotta hurt for Hardcore. Well, if you I mean, think about it, RVD is the only one of these guys that's had experience in this uh, in the chamber because he was in the very first one in it's O2 Survivor Series, so he knows how to right. use it to his advantage. And he almost killed Triple H in that match. <laughs> Gosh, that was so bad. He landed right on his lungs. Yeah, well, yeah, right on, yeah, on his throat. Oof. Yeah. But, um... You know, I think like, I feel like the time uh, is being uh, slowed down a little bit, like between air balls. Like it seems like they would want to speed it up and get all the guys in there, but uh, now they're like they're actually taking their sweet time here. We're almost down to the uh, thirty-second mark. So who's going to be the first first out of the four in the chamber pods to make their way in with their weapon of choice? Now, this was kind of like the un, you didn't really know what was going to happen with the Elimination Chamber because this was like one of the, um, like before they rebranded, uh, they redesigned the Elimination Chamber where, you know, the door would either come unhinged or, you know, something bad was going to happen. Mm. You'll see the Elimination Chamber got a lot safer as uh, time went on. Oh, who's going to be the first one out of the uh, four with the weapon here? And it is CM Punk and his chair. CM Punk getting ready to hit someone. Oh, he just throws it right at hardcore. And oh, diving clothesline to RVD. CM Punk coming in hot, Steve. Yep. Crowd's uh, crowd is crowd is uh, excited. Oh, he gets hit back with the chair by RVD. Rob Van Dam catches it and he throws it back at RV at CM Pug. So that's gonna give him a little dazed and confused. Paul Heyman looking on like, "Oh crap, this is gonna be good." I hope so. He thinks he's gonna be good. Oh, a monkey flip back into the chair by Rob Van Dam. <laughs> No. Oh, 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 diving leg drop into the chair. Whoa. Something RVD usually does in his I matches. Know. So I think Punk and uh, Van Dam are uh, expressing their karate maneuvers or martial arts maneuvers. Yes. 
using using of the feet. We've seen CM Punk do this before, but uh, RVD and uh, Hardcore Holly uh, usually uh, the ones that are getting their heads smashed in through the chairs. You see that um, the chairs in the uh, turnbuckle over there. Oh, was a uh, looks like RVD got uh, busted open over his eye. Oh yeah. Oh boy, is it gonna be? Oh, an RVD goes head first, just like in that match. Oh, oh, RVD is opened up big time there. Oof! You think that was by accident, or you think that was a blade job? Uh judging by the positioning of the blood, I think it was. Um, oof! Nasty bump there by Punk. I think it was hard way. Oh, okay, so it's not like they wanted to blade like so easily. One, two. Oh, and CM Punk uh, got slammed into the like a like a bat almost. Mm-hmm. Got slammed into the chamber there, but only for two counts. So everyone still who's in the ring now is uh, still in the match. The crowd has their oh. favorite as the uh, punk chants are going on. Oh, uh, yeah, I can't even tell what they're uh, chanting. It just, says, it just says crowd chanting on my end. <laughs> <laughs> Still got two minutes left. Uh, good. I would say good intervals, not too short of an interval. So, uh, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of wrestling between guys coming in. And a lot of uh, the usage of the weapon as well, not even with the cage too, like, you know, the the chair and uh, as we'll see more of the weapons come in. So good intervals, mm-hmm. not speeding up the clock, you know, everyone gets their uh, gets their licks in. You know, at this point, like, it does seem like, um, you know, I guess minus the big show, like, uh, and RVD, anyone could have really walked out of the uh, Elimination Chamber, the champion. But I think they really just wanted to go with Lashley, but you could see Hardcore Holly winning or CM Punk. I mean, Tess could have been a good heel champion as well, given how, like, in shape he is. Yeah, I would have. I think um, I probably would have. Uh, if I had to pick, I probably would have said test over um, over Holly. I don't think uh, Holly was a uh, was gonna probably walk out of here as champion. Two. Yeah, I think Vince still remembers the uh, the Royal Rumble Four match with uh, Hardcore and Brock Lesnar. Yeah. So the next uh, competitor is coming in as uh, there's 10 seconds left in the clock. Who's going to be next with their weapon of choice? Ooh, so three guys mean? left. Oh, nice kick by RVD there. Yeah, I think it's going to be test. Oh, boy. Here comes yep. test in the crowbar. 
Oh my god. Oh. oh, that's gotta be ins- that's insane what Tess is doing to RVD right now. Mm-hmm. Literally just ripping them open with that crowbar. Oh, yeah, I God. thought that. Yeah, I, I thought the uh, the crowbar was a good choice for a weapon because it's a because it's a weapon you don't see all the time uh, being used. So it was a nice uh, nice for them to pull like a different weapon as opposed to to you know a standard one like the Singapore cane or something like that. Yeah, I didn't think I saw a lot of uh, crowbars in ECW used as weapons. Saw the kitchen sink in the cheese grater at one point. Yeah. Mark Rahali and Rob Van Dam continuing where they left off. Uh, and that match. Oh, Tess gets a shot. So Van Terminator. Oh. Oof. RVD doing what he does best. Oh, is he going off with a frog splash? It looks like a five star frog splash. Oh, oh, and damn, a split open here. And one, yeah, now I'm thinking two, that maybe it maybe was a blade job. Oh, I think that was a slap to Paul Heyman because he wanted uh, CM Punk to uh, make everyone tap out. Yeah, well, you could. Well, crowd was uh, crowd wasn't happy about that one, and he just big booted hardcore one, two, three. No, hardcore Holly gets a man too right away. I think they spotched it because the ref didn't hit the map for three. I think he, I think. You thought Harker was supposed to kick out. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know what happened there, Steve but uh, bad spot. Yeah. So I guess uh, Vince was like, well, I'm gonna stick it to Paul, and uh, my guy and CM Punk is gonna uh, get eliminated first. It's Robin. Well, that's, I think they tried top. to. Ha- well, that's why they had, um, I think that's why they had RVD eliminate him to try to soften the blow, but uh, yeah, crowd wasn't, ha- crowd's not having it. Oh, yeah. So Van Dam is going to go for the uh, five-star frog splash above the chamber. Then you see Big Show um, got his hands through the chains. Oh! Oh! That slams him now. Test cheering on Big Show uh, having Test do all the dirty work. Yep. Oh, now Test on top of the pod. Oh! Oh, he landed! Holy crap! One, two. Oh, I don't He's know. Gone. Being props to test for taking for doing that bump. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think that they should have. Uh, eh, well, they two I, heels. They, and- well, they clearly wanted both RVD and Punk out, so that la- so again, so Lashley would get all the support. But like I said, you know, now the cr- I think the crowd is just so just now they know what's going on. And that's why they're not uh, not too thrilled about this. I think that you could have gotten um, 
I think you could have um, had RVD eliminate Tess and have uh, Big Show eliminate RVD. I think that should have been RVD, Lashley, and Big Show as the last three guys in the chamber. Yeah, very surprising that uh, Test is uh, one of the three finalists. Well, like I said, like I said, they they I think they had um, plans for him, so you know I can understand why they had him as one of the final three. So, mm-hmm. Tess is struggling a little bit to get up. <laughs> Would be pretty funny if Big Show came in. Then they were just like, "Oh, I'll just help you. We'll heal up." Big Show's got his barbed wire bat. Bobby Lashley's got the table. And here's up. Oh, nope, they're not opening up the door. Oh, wow. That's actually a good move. <laughs> but it, but it's, it's like... The, the the thing is still chained and padlocked shut. Why has he got to hold the thing with the with the with the nightstick? It's already locked. Uh, Unless maybe it's unlocked. Good... maybe it's unlocked. Maybe actually now that I see. Yeah, I don't think the the pad. I don't see the padlock, so I think it was unlocked. So I That's take back point. what I I take back what I said. <laughs> okay. Lashley thought he was going to get in there and destroy Tess, but he got, uh... oh, oh, he's busting out. Bobby Lashley doing some good maneuvering. He smashes that, the table. Yeah, that, that table's not cooperating, though. <laughs> through the roof, nope. Bobby Lashley does get out of his pod. So the big show is the last entrance. She's just going to go for a, uh, no, goes for a clothesline here. He sort of went through the table. Now Tess's got the boot in his face. Oh! (laughs) Tess is getting dominated by Bobby Lashley. I don't know if they're going to try and do this, but uh, I wouldn't eliminate Test uh, before the big show comes in. I'd do it after big show comes in. Mm. Hopefully they hold on to him just a little bit longer. Test making a comeback, you know, after getting slammed into the pods by Bobby. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they made 
I mean, Test is they made him look really good in this match. I mean, get two eliminations. Like I said, took that taking that that bump off the top of the pod and now trying to come back here against Lashley. So they they made him look really strong. Yeah, but he got that diving elbow. So Steve, let me ask you, do you think Test should have won the WWF title in nineteen ninety nine? I mean <laughs> hindsight I mean hindsight is, you know, I mean he was pretty over at the time, but um they went with the other direction. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just listened to um I believe it was Marcus and JT and they were going over uh no mer uh they were going over um Survivor Series ninety nine and Armageddon ninety nine. Lashley just got the spear one, two, three oh three. That's that's it for test. Yep. Why even uh, keep the timer going? Just unlock it. He's the last person. (laughs) Paul, I'm trying to, he's like, show, I'm done after this pay-per-view. I don't know about (laughs) you, but I'm done after this. You're on your own. Enjoy the creative. Yeah, that table is, uh, that table's no more. Yeah, it did not go the way that it was supposed to go. (laughs) So we're down to our last two combatants, uh, Big Show and Bobby Lashley. So, all in all, this pay-per-view has some good, a lot of bad. Not a lot of bad, but it's got good, it's got bad, some downright ugly, but they tried something new. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's... Back... Yeah, and bringing back ECW in 2006, they tried something new. And it's not even that WWE presents uh, December to December. They try to just make it ECW presents December to December. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's pretty much a um, <laughs> it's pretty much a shit sandwich. The opener was the opener was good. This has actually been been good, but everything in the middle was just you know was just it's just nothing. It was. You you could have gotten I mean, everything in the middle. You could have gotten away with on um on free television and not had to pay however much it was for for the show. I mean, I again, like you said, I get why they why they went about the way they did. They try to give it that old school ECW feel. Um, and maybe in like the mid nineties it would have worked, but in two thousand six with the guys they have with the guys they had, um, it it just it just wasn't going to work. And their bodies are like broken down too. Like the ECW originals are broken down in a way. Bobby Lashley over here dominating the big show. Oof, right through the pod. Slam right into the pod. 
Which ran right out of that pot himself. Yep. Whoa! Nice toss back into the ring. Oh, Big Show's busted open. Ew. Yep. See that drool just come out of him? Yes. Yeah. He's just, again, he's just looking, I mean, God bless him if he's trying, but he's just not, you know, not looking, like just a, not looking good. Yeah, he looks like he just had another cup of coffee and, like, you know, the caffeine is, like, making him all droopy. Mm-hmm. Choke slam. Nope. DT. Oof. That's how a lot of big show choke slams got countered uh, in ECW. Everyone was doing the whole DDT. Do you think this match was a little bit rushed? Um, a little, I mean, I mean, I'm just looking at the, I mean, we're looking at the timer right now. The show itself is only two hours and 14 minutes. So, you know, I think it was just a, um, you know, we talked, we talked about, um, we talked about it earlier, how like going into the show, only the opener and the, and this match were the only advertised matches. And, and in between, we only had four, four matches. Um, I think it just played to the, um, the lack of depth that, uh, ECW had, Two, that's how it ends oh gee but bobby lashley is now the new ecw champion but um yeah he did get a good pop he did get a good pop i'll give him that he did get good good he did get good pop but not uh but you know i don't think it was i'm sure probably wasn't as big as i think they were hoping yeah, they're not jumping up and down over here. Um, yeah. I also heard that uh, this pay-per-view does get shortened pretty well for pay-per-view time. So it doesn't go off at 11. It goes off around, I think they said 1040, 1045. Like from a three-hour standpoint. Mm-hmm. Bobby Lashley is the new ECW champion. Paul Heyman's got his head down, you know. I can only imagine what probably happened after showing off the air. Because mm-hmm. we know that Paul Heyman was gone before the show started, that Vince had let him go in a way. There was a parting of the ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think if I... it's. Honestly, I think um, what I think they should have done is I, I see the I, I mean, I, I think the, the match was good. I, I really I did enjoy it. I gave it um, if we're going grades, I would give it um, three. I would have given it three and a quarter. I think the biggest yeah. issue I have with it is if if you're not going to have because I think going in, I think most were expecting Punk to win because, he you know, because I think that's you know where they thought they were going and. I think what they should have done is they should have just taken Punk out of the match and just had him and um, Knox had like one one final blow off match at the show. Maybe do something like where Punk wins, Kelly gets her freedom from Knox, and then you just put somebody else in the match. You put Sabu in, or you put um, 
um, like Sandman or Dreamer in it to kind of give it a little bit more of a, you know, some someone ACW that you, edge. Right. ACW plus someone that you sparkle. Know, yes. Plus someone you know that isn't going to be, you know, to split, you know, kind of take some of the heat again away from Lashley. Like, I didn't have a problem with Lashley winning the match. I know, I, I get where they wanted to go. Um, and it was fine because, again, Lashley was a guy that they saw as, you know, a top guy and they wanted to take ECW in a different direction. So I thought he was the best guy to do it. Um, but I think, yeah, you just you take Punk out of the match, put some, put either, put somebody else in there, have Punk and Knox do their final blow off, and you keep the opener as is. And then you, you know, and I think it would have helped the show a little bit, maybe not a lot, but um, I, I could, I think it could just could have helped it a little bit because I do, because like I said, I do think um, Punk suffers a little bit coming out, going out of the show, and obviously you and uh, you and Mike will get deeper into it when, as you go through the television. But I do think it hurts him to to be in this match and get beat like he does. Yeah. But I also think that's because of the backstage politics of uh, Vince McMahon and Vince and Paul, you know, having their little spat. And, you know, he's got the last word. He got the last laugh to Paul in a way because, you know, Paul was pushing way so way too hard for Punk. And Vince was like, you know what? I'm going to have him get eliminated first. Mm-hmm. Well, Steve. Um, I don't even know how to ask, um, but, uh, do I guess what out of five, I'll say, how would, would you even grade that? Like, what would you give this? I'm going to say one out of five here. Like, because I don't even think like it reaches the potential of one out of 10, you know? So. Yeah, that yeah, one out of five sounds about right. I mean, like you said, like I said, opener was fun, was good. The main event was good. Everything in the middle was just, just, just not, just bad. I mean, oh yeah, was, what I was saying the, was like uh, one, one to five, you know, because it doesn't have the potential of going one to ten. But would you say it's a one anyway? Oh yeah, it's definitely, um, it's definitely one of the worst show, one of the worst shows they've done. It, you know, I don't know if it's the absolute worst they've done because we've had some bad ones before, and we'll probably have, and we'll definitely have some bad ones going forward. But I think um, it's not. It's definitely a bad show, and it was. De- and I, you know, it was a kind of a uh, sad end to this original kind of like the ECW that we thought we were going to get when we had One Night Stand um, back in June it died a very slow, painful death here. Yeah, you're right. It felt like it just got like, you know, it was like the lethal dose of poison. It was like one bad thing after another happening, you know, RVD, Kurt Angle, this and that tit for tat, basically, you know, like all the negative stuff. And it culminated to this big pay-per-view that, I guess they thought that this would bring the spark and look what happens, you know, big show's gone. Paul Heyman is gone and Vince McMahon is fully running ECW with his writing team. Well, Steve, it's going to bring an end to, uh, the December, December to dismember pay-per-view, but Steve, before we go, uh, do you have anything that you want to plug for the Place to Be Nation? 
Absolutely. So um, as you, you did mention earlier, I do have uh, two shows over on the PTBM Pop Experience. I have Pop Goes the Classics with, with myself, Andy Atherton, and Miranda Berthold, where we are going through all of the Disney animated films. We are currently uh, deep into the Disney Renaissance and about to hit um, what I call what I affectionately call the Trinity of Greatness with the uh, with Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and the Lion King. Um, obviously, arguably the three greatest films um, that Disney has ever done. We get a get a great deep dives into those um and then of course as you said and then of course i also have making mount rushmore where i have on a uh, pat different panel and we just discuss some um, various topics actually our the most recent episode um you yourself were on along with uh john kesalika where we talked about um who we ha- we would have as our um mount rushmore of movie athletes and movie coaches um that was uh, an idea of course given to us by our our dear friend the late calvin crawwell so that episode um, was dedicated to him um, other than that, you know, you can always find me over on the uh, PTP uh, Facebook page. Lots of great um, discussions going on over there. You know, we have daily questions. Um, we have, you know, by bi- monthly tournaments that we do. So lots of great stuff going on over there. Yeah, well, as for uh, my my co-host, who had technical difficulties, Michael Cook, he does the... Um, he does the WWE Pick'em. Um, you submit uh, $10, uh, and it's like throughout the whole entire like WWE season, basically. It starts at um, starts at the Royal Rumble, and it uh, runs its course for the uh, pay-per-view picks and the uh, NXT takeovers as well. So check that out. As for myself, besides this podcast, uh, Extreme Resurrection... I like Steve said, I was on the latest episode of the Mickey Mount Rushmore Pop Edition, Best Movie Players and Movie Coaches. And on the um over on the North South Connection podcast, I was a um I was a recent guest on the Ruthlessly Aggressive podcast with Jake Williams, and we discussed the January 3rd and January 9th Raw and SmackDown of that week as well. So check that out. Well, from Michael Cook and Steve Riddle, I'm James Gruenberg, and we will see you next time right here for Extreme Resurrection.